Welcome to another episode of Messages of Necessity, a podcast presented by the Empire Center for Public Policy. I am adjunct fellow Cam McDonald, and with us today is the research director for the Empire Center, Ken Girardin. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, New York's climate goals. It's a greenhouse emissions reduction plans uh, spurred a little bit by a piece uh, Ken had last week on cap and invest programs. So, Ken, let's start by talking about um, what exactly we're looking at as far as a time frame for emissions reductions and what the state's goals are. Folks might remember back in 2019, the state set some pretty ambitious goals about how much they were going to lower greenhouse gas emissions in New York. They wanted to be 40%, sorry, 40% below their 1990 levels in 2030. Um, we are about a quarter of the way there. Um, they want to be even further in the out years and essentially have the state have no greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. And the way to get there, uh, you know, we've heard about a lot of the parts. They want to have 70% renewables on the grid by 2030. Um, right now we're at 30% renewables. So that's a that's a pretty um, steep, steep climb ahead of them. Uh, you've heard about the bans on replacement gas stoves, replacement gas furnaces, water heaters, and the like that the state would be bringing online in the next few years. Um, the state has banned future purchases of gasoline-powered cars beginning around 2035. So you have all these things that are going to be coming into effect um, in the next several years. But in the meantime, that's not enough for the state to hit its emission reduction goals. So there's an additional program called Cap and Invest. And under Cap and Invest, the state would be essentially requiring anyone, almost anyone, who emits greenhouse gases in the course of doing business to purchase allowances for those greenhouse gases. And the state would set a limited number of allowances and also set a ceiling price for how much those allowances could be sold for. So the idea is to set um, a shrinking number of allowances each year, um, event to, to, to raise the price ceiling as time goes on, and essentially to, uh, to pressure people to move away from fossil fuels. And the idea is twofold. The cap and invest system, by driving up the cost of anything using fossil fuels or having greenhouse gas emissions, the idea would be to um, you know, raise prices as a signal to push people away from using those fuels, and also to raise money to pay for efficiencies or renewables or other things that help bring down the state's greenhouse gas emissions. Um, the state put out some models at the end of last month, giving an idea of what this could look like. Um, and the scenarios ranged from, you know, three from adding three to $5 billion to costs um, starting in 2025, um, rising to anywhere from five and a half to more than $11 billion in 2030. So the state has this, has this idea where they're going to require the allowances and then take about 30% of the money that comes and redistribute it somehow. This area is still a little murky, but there's talk about essentially giving everyone in the state some kind of entitlement payment, 
each month with the proceeds. So we are, or they've, they've called it a rebate. They've had different terms for it um, as a way to help mitigate the increase in prices. But to my eye, that would reduce the incentive for people to conserve when the prices do go up from cap and invest. At the end of the day, we're looking at a new tax and a new entitlement all at once coming from a regulatory agency. Right, because we're already talking about that so that in, that incentive disincentive, right, with the um, with the cap on electricity costs for persons for households with certain income amounts, um, and that if your electricity is going to be capped, your electricity bills are going to be capped at six percent of your household income. You don't really have much of an incentive to replace um or to to get more efficient appliances or do that sort of thing there is uh, an increasing amount of denial about how supply and demand work in uh, new york's climate debate um, what you're you know what you're touching on is the state's cap on folks utility bills and the state has had some smaller programs where they've limited how much people can be billed for electricity um, you happen to be neutralizing the single best tool we have to encourage people to conserve. It's it's the it's their incentive to not have the electric meter spin so fast when they're deciding what you know what utility you know what appliances they're going to use when and you know which which lights they're going to leave on. Um, and there's talk about raising extending that cap significantly up um, higher higher and higher to, uh, to to essentially to the middle to the middle income range where you would be taking away folks incentive to use you know to use less electricity which is uh which is not the you know it's not the single biggest source of carbon emissions but it's it's one of the biggest ones and one of the biggest opportunities to get people to conserve so uh, something that comes to my mind on the cap and invest program is that yes okay so you're going to do these allowances and have these amounts paid in by companies doing doing business based in in New York, um, and then you're going to rebate consumers and others in in New York State. But that the reason for that is the fact that you're recognizing there's an inflationary effect for these businesses. So what is what about the business they do out of state? If I'm a producer of a product and it's raising the prices for my consumers in New York, but 60% of my market is outside of New York. How can I be competitive with people from states that don't have this program? You're hitting on one of the many, many questions that the state is going to have to answer in terms of explaining uh, how to how do you draw a line around New York and decide what upstream emissions are attributable to New York which ones aren't um, one of the biggest you know one of the one of the one of the biggest gaps in this thinking is the fact that there's federal preemption for certain things and the state wouldn't be allowed to apply cap and invest there and that the single biggest thing where there's federal preemption is aviation fuel so you will have someone looking to drive from long island to the finger lakes is going to is going to be paying you know, something in the range of 30 to 40 to 50 cents more per gallon of gasoline because of cap and invest. And this is just in the next few years. They're going to be paying 30 to 50 cents more depending on what final rules the state sets. But someone who wants to hop in a, in a, hop in a jet in Montauk to go fly up and get better wine upstate 
will have to, uh, you know, they'll be they'll be exempted from the from the cap and invest rules while they are arguably doing a lot more, um, doing a lot more to drive up state greenhouse gas emissions than the, the you know than the family in the minivan. So here's where I'm confused then, and and perhaps the legislature is going to be just as confused when they actually have to deal with it because this is you know if they're going to be doing some sort of rebate or tax credit program. Um, theoretically, that would require an actual law being passed. But you know, New York is New York. We, we'll we'll wait and see for that. But how do you, how are you going to calculate these rebates for people for somebody who commutes sixty miles each way to work every day, and the person who mostly works from home and commutes ten miles each day, one day a week? It is not clear. There's been talk so far about creating some kind of differential in the rebating system, depending on where folks live, which will be very, you know, it would be a very, very interesting conversation for the legislature to have. And that's a reminder that the legislature isn't having this conversation. This is the legislature having set a goal. And instead of setting policy to reach that goal, they've gone to the folks at the Department of Environmental Conservation who are very smart, but are not the people's elected representatives. And the DEC has been empowered to go and set policy and to decide where all these changes are going to be made. And, and I'll say this, in fairness, cap and invest as a concept is more academically defensible or, or I should say a cap system is more academically defensible than most of what was going on under Governor Cuomo. Governor Cuomo was, um, you know, I, I mean, for him, climate stuff was a jobs program first, a photo op second, and maybe something with some environmental benefits third. Um, with a cap system, you at least have the potential to go find the lowest marginal cost reductions in the economy, where you can, where where people will find the most efficient ways to comply. Now, when you put on top of it the fact that a bunch of it's going to get redistributed, and you're not doing a proper cap system that fully rewards people for making, you know, for conserving the way you would with a fixed system where you weren't trying to essentially skim money off the top, that really diminishes the effectiveness of the program. And ultimately, when Albany gets involved with anything that involves large amounts of money, we can um, we can we can rest assured that the final product will not be um, you know, intellectually optimized if I can be charitable. Yeah, well, I've obviously because um, we've seen that they're incapable of getting pot sales off the ground, even though it's <laughs> below they're, the only, they're the only drug dealers in New York who can't turn a profit. <laughs> so, so we're talking about the legislature having to do some hard work and this being a difficult task. Um, the chart that really jumped off your piece last week was the fact that um, it just so happens that New, York, New Yorkers are going to be feeling the greatest potential pain and 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 expenses from this. Start feeling it really the beginning of twenty twenty seven. Now, the cynic in me says, "Well, that gets everybody past the twenty twenty six election." Is there any other? good explanation for that line that the, the graph not to have an even slope and 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 the fact that it just jags up so suddenly at the beginning of 2027 other than my cynicism and maybe yours you're talking about the price ceiling for the yes. maximum amount folks would have to pay to to buy allowances in new york and the fact that it starts it starts at one level in 2025 
goes up about 5% in 2026, and then doubles in 2027. Now, the, the, the cynic in you might have read the history of the Climate Act in 2019 and, saw, and seen how Governor Cuomo took the worst parts out uh, that were planned for 2022, because come to find out, it's unpopular to run for re-election when the lights aren't working or when people's electricity rates have doubled, both of which would have been a possibility if the state had charged ahead with its original goal of 38% renewable power by 2022, which in, in retrospect was, um, you know, they, they had a better chance of landing on the moon than, than getting to that level without having a major drop-off in reliability or costs exploding. So, Yes, the way it's structured right now, it looks like the state is is going to push off the worst of the pain. That means you know the, the the biggest gas price increases, the biggest fuel price increases, the whole shebang, until immediately, immediately, like weeks after the twenty twenty six general election, um, which just really undercuts the claims that this is about an emergency, that the state needs to reduce emissions as quickly as possible. What they mean is they need to reduce emissions as quickly as possible after the next election. And I mean, that's just, that's a theme that runs through all this, right? I mean, it's it's not very painful for people to have the electrification of new construction be a thing that takes place immediately. But let's push off the ban on gas stoves until 2031. So nobody's thinking about it until it actually happens. Let's put off the ban on sales of uh, of gas, internal combustion cars until a later date. So nobody's really thinking about it. And we'll just boil the frogs, as it were, with all these different things that are going to limit people's choices when it comes to home appliances like large capacity dryers and efficient dish or <laughs> quickly running dishwashers and and the like it's just a it's just a slow slow drip it seems well and and i would say it's part of a broader theme about how un unserious albany has been about about climate stuff where they not only are, are they taking the political considerations in with the timeline but they're taking in heavy political considerations with with how they are getting there. So you have you, know, you have requirements uh, that you pay union wages whenever you do any work related to the Climate Act. If you are addressing an emergency, then you want to get that work done as quickly as humanly possible. And you don't care who does it. You're not looking at it as some jobs program for the labor unions that endorsed you. And this was, you know, this was one of the signature things that made the 2019 Climate Act so indefensible. It said, on the one hand, the earth is, you know, the, we're all going to get charred by, all right, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, the, the earth is on fire. And I'm not going too far beyond some of the rhetoric people have used, but the earth was on fire. But God forbid we let any, you know, and in the 80% of non-union construction workers touch a hammer on a job site to mitigate it. Like, like as soon as you saw that in the language in 2019, even before you saw the models about the costs and feasibility um, and effect and negative effects on reliability, um, you knew that Albany was was engaged in a major political exercise rather than, again, any kind of academically defensible uh, you know, pursuit of an environmental goal. Well, I guess what's going to need to happen is, uh, it seems to me, it sounds like that uh, people are going to need to start to feel some some pain from this. And when they do, um, they may have some hard questions to ask their uh, their representatives in 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 the legislature and and the governor. So, um, 
I guess until then, we'll just keep on uh, paying attention to the details and trying to inform the public as much as possible. And so uh, this week uh, from the Empire Center, uh, we thank you for listening and, uh, and look forward to talking to you again. For more news and analysis, visit our website and sign up for email updates at empirecenter.org. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Empire Center.